With the 262nd pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Brock Purdy, a quarterback from Iowa State. The frozen tundra of Municipal Stadium made footing tenuous, and defense prevailed most of the day. Listening to Coffin Corners, the podcast. Big Tom McLean here with me as always. My co-host, my buddy Nathan Sprague. How you doing, Nathan? Well, I'm doing great. And everybody, welcome to the double dub episode of Coffin Corners. Oh, I can say you can't get any more fame for a conference champion than being named Liberty. The only question for for them was. Give me Liberty or a New Year's Six Bowl game. And trust me, Tom, you can't get any more America than Liberty winning the Conference USA Football Championship and Washington winning the same night. Can't get any more American than that. And how could a team have nothing to lose and end up scoring nothing? Well, we'll talk more about that later on. But let's get quickly to the Conference Championship games with college football playoff spots. Not on the line. Liberty beat New Mexico State 49-35. to MAC Championship, Miami, Ohio beat Toledo 23-14. SMU beat Tulane in the AAC Championship game 26-14. The Mountain West Conference Championship, UNLV had a heck of a year, but Boise State came up on top 44-20. Appalachian State filling in for James Madison as they were not qualified for for at least uh, for this conference championship game, but they ended up still losing to Troy 49-23 in the Sun Belt Championship game. But enough about that. Let's get to some San Francisco 49ers football. Yeah, the 49ers went ahead and ripped off another win fairly easily over the Seahawks and came out of it uh, relatively healthy. I haven't looked at the uh, the injury report, but uh, it seemed like um, they they have an ownership of that Seahawks team. It, definitely over DK Metcalf. It was pretty pretty funny to watch him lose his cool. I don't know if you did. You hear the uh, the story about. Uh, Kyle Shanahan offered extra Christmas presents for anybody that could get under DK Metcalf's skin. And so that's that's one of the reasons why DK Metcalf was kind of flipping out throughout the game. <laughs> well, that definitely will be for, was it Fred Warner? Yeah. Fred Warner will get some extra Christmas presents. You're right. Did you, did you hear what Fred Warner told him that got him so upset? No, I, I didn't, but I, I saw a reaction by DK Metcalf. Apparently what set him off was because it was obviously right after the Fred Warner interception. Um, he told DK Metcalf, you're a good tackler. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that made him mad. <laughs> so DK not in the mood, not a 49er fan. And apparently unfollowed the Seahawks on Twitter and everybody's talking about that. <laughs> well, also... also the 49ers faced the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, not uh, last week, but the the week after that. Oh, yeah, you're uh, right. We never talked about that beating, did we? No, and especially of all things, it was such a crazy game. Even the security guard <laughs> was taken out of the game. Yeah, that was so ridiculous. <laughs> security guard getting in the middle. 
would have been kind of funny yeah, that, to watch that, him get dropped. Yeah, that is definitely crazy of all things. And the Cowboys, you know, this week ended up beating up the Eagles. And the 49ers beat the Cowboys. So does that mean the 49ers are the team to beat in the NFC now? Well, I mean, they are the highest ranked team in the NFC. Right now they're the number one seed after the uh, the misfortunes of the Eagles of the last couple of weeks and the 49ers coming on stronger and stronger. They're, they're now the number one seed. So um, I, I believe it would. I believe that all, um, all paths to the Super Bowl would have to go through Santa Clara. Yeah, I, I mean, the only thing I was disappointed with that 49ers and Eagles game, besides of it not being close, was, uh, you know, finding out on your local TV, thinking that you're going to watch that game, and they end up showing the LA Rams versus the Cleveland Browns instead. But still, that ended up turning out to be a pretty good game by itself, too. They really are dropping the ball this season. The 49ers are more popular than the LA local teams. And I don't know how you prove that, and I don't know how you can... <laughs> get away with doing that with all the different, you know, things that the teams do with the, you know, nonprofits and stuff. But I can tell you the 49ers are as popular, if not more popular than the Rams and chargers combined in Southern California. So it's very weird to me that you can't catch the game somehow, some way you, th- you would think that they would have, you know, figured out a way to, to move the game to a place where you can watch it. But very strange two weeks in a row that you weren't able to watch the Seahawks game this last week either. Really? That's that's kind of crazy by itself. Uh, but also, speaking of crazy, what's going on with the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, it's not just the Philadelphia Eagles, but even the Kansas City Chiefs. Back-to-back games, not having the refs on their side. Yeah, man. Like I said, it might be the Raiders. Uh, might be a, a, a script being written for the Raiders, right? Raiders come out from behind, end up AFC West champions tom brady comes out of retirement and they win the super bowl at home isn't that what we want (laughs) i don't know but it seems like they're kind of flipping the script here it seems like it's if they were doing that wouldn't they have some silver and black or gray you know (laughs) in in the updated logo (laughs) and instead if they were going that direction that's a good point they aren't in the logo which is weird because they are the host site. I mean, you would think they would have some part, you know? I mean, that kind of shows some respect, right? You would think that. <laughs> you would think. I don't think anybody expected the Raiders to be making a playoff run this season, though. No, not especially after that game. Hey, Tom, I actually have a quick question for you. So if I told you the final score was 3 nothing, which game would you think that came from? New England Patriots or a Minnesota Vikings game? I would. My first guess would be that it would be a uh, a hockey game. <laughs> three nothing sounds like a soccer game, and not a very good one, by the way. So three to nothing. That's a final score, huh? Yeah. Oh, that was the final score. Three nothing. Now remember, both of the both of these teams had their backup quarterbacks. Or for some, they're backups of their backups, in this case. And it ended up being free nothing, but it came close to maybe being nothing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) How great would that be? (laughs) Zero to zero going into double overtime. (laughs) There wouldn't be a double overtime. Remember, regulation rules of the NFL. Yeah. uh, You know. 
yeah. during the regular season, they don't go into double overtime. They just go into overtime, and then if it ends up being a tie, you know, that's it. Oh, I know. I've been I've been at NFL ties before. It's a very weird feeling. I was at a Rams 49ers tie once. Really? Yeah, that's a weird one to drive away from. You're like driving home. You're like, do I, am I supposed to feel bad about this? Am I supposed to enjoy it? Or what? But yeah, it was actually at an NFL tie. <laughs> I mean, like with the Kansas City Chiefs, all I can say is uh, I don't expect Simone Biles to get an autograph from Patrick Mahomes anytime soon. You, you know, with the game a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> especially right. what Jonathan Owens did to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. She's sure getting her attention, though. She's running up the sidelines, and the the Packers fans have really embraced her. I could see that they keep gifting her now. She's when she's walking along the sidelines, they're giving her stuff. So good for her. I know. Yeah, I I mean, one of them actually gave like one for. I mean, there was this video that showed of of giving. um, You know, they gave like one that was like a goat, so it was to her. Oh yeah. And then they gave like a cheese head for. It's John. I hope it's Jonathan and not Jordan. I think it is Jonathan Owens. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, she's highly respected, you know, of, you know, she's great at gymnastics. I I will admit that. Yeah, she's one of the best ever. And she's I think yeah. she's still competing too and she's she's already has all these accolades already. So good for Simone Biles. Yeah. Get a 49ers boyfriend, though. It's a lot warmer in San Francisco. <laughs> Be out there wearing a coat all the time. Are wanna... we going to really become like a gossip channel? We end up we end up becoming what we didn't like. So we <laughs> end up going, oh, my gosh. Did you see what Brock parties I ended up dating? <gasps> well, oh, some... my gosh. Megan the Stallion's cousin. <laughs> well, Simone Biles is at least an athlete. so So we're staying in the sports arena at least, right? Right, that is a good point. But I'm just saying, I wouldn't put it past if we end up becoming what we didn't, what we didn't like from sports, just becoming nothing but a gossip channel. It's so salacious. It's so easy to just jump right in there. <laughs> you know, we want yeah, to talk. We always want to talk Taylor Swift. We have to fight our urge to talk to Taylor Swift. No, no, I'm done. I, I, I am done talking about T Swift. I am done. When I made that joke about if she. If she, the reason why she didn't, she doesn't date a country singer, I was going, that is it. That is it with me. Like, <laughs> done. Do you remember Troy Aikman was dating, was it Trisha Yearwood? I think it was. There's always, and then Tony Romo had uh, Jessica Simpson. Long Jessica line Simpson. of that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. My goodness. Sorry, I got us yeah. all derailed. Now I've got us in the gossip column. I'm pretty good at derailing us <laughs> like that. Well, all I have to say is Debo Samuel has definitely been showing a couple of impressive games these past couple of games. I mean, against the Philadelphia Eagles and also against the Seattle Seahawks. I think he got two receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown in the last game, I do believe. That's right. Today he was named NFC Player of the Week. So, yeah, he had a really good couple of weeks. And he's it's good to see him back to where he was a couple of seasons ago because he, he really kind of – Last season didn't play that great, and then this season, you know, he's had a couple of injury issues, and it's just been a little bit of a little bit of a slow go. I mean, he's been good, but not like the dynamic Debo, you know. 
And um, I think the more you get to see the more of the dynamic Debo and Christian McCaffrey, then you see everything else open up with George Kittle and everybody else, Jawan Jennings and everybody else, you know? Yes, definitely. So speaking of the Seahawks, let's talk about some Hawkeyes football. Now, before we get to talking about the Big Ten Championship game, what were the three things I mentioned for in order for Iowa to beat Michigan? I guess now it's a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, my goodness. You're asking me to remember something from a couple of weeks ago? We're in big trouble. I think you're going to have to help me, and I can confirm that you discussed it because I could definitely remember if I'm reminded, if that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> okay. So one thing was turnovers. Michigan had free and turned them to 14 points, especially the key of having a shortened field. Oof. Iowa's defense didn't have any. Penalties. Iowa had plenty of false starts when Iowa had some big plays, especially for punt returns or kick returns. They were called back for holding or even blocking the back. And the third was defense. And that's the only thing I could say nearly was matched. But the Michigan defense put, they did put the pressure on Deacon Hill. And I have to say is thank goodness for Phil Parker, the defensive coordinator for Iowa, who, by the way, won the Broyles Award. Nice. And if you're wondering what the Broyles Award is, that is considered the best assistant coach in college football. So Iowa better give plenty of money and a contract extension because otherwise, and also maybe even Alabama might need to take some notes. I mean, to watch some of the game tape from this game and practice some zone and man zone defense, especially practice some red zone offense. But Michigan caught turnovers. Iowa had a couple of near picks, but dropped them. Even my dead dad gave Iowa even a lucky bounce on a punt. The ball went backwards to the Michigan 40 to set them up at a chance of scoring, and they even screwed that up as well. Fumble. It was a reception, and the guy fumbled the ball, and it was recovered by Michigan. To be honest, look, the only way you could pump up this Iowa team more was by drinking pink lemonade or Shirley Temple's in front of them. (laughs) Now, speaking of drinks... You know, to be honest, Tom, you know, they always have that Dr. Pepper challenge. And I'm just curious, you know, you know, what would happen if you said, oh, this will go to a trade school to be a pharmacy technician instead of going to a university? Do they just take the check away from you? (laughs) They should. To be honest, Iowa Hawkeye fans definitely deserve the Congressional Medal of Freedom for watching that game as an Iowa fan. Especially that offense. Good golly. Look, I understand wanting to stick with your QB, but this isn't baseball. Of when you put in a substitution and, well, you are stuck with them the rest of the game. There is no excuse. Michigan did that during the game. They put in their backup for one play, and then they put back in J.J. McCarthy. Look, if there is nothing going on with the offense, you tell your QB, hey, we appreciate you all season, but we haven't had anything going. Plus, I want to see how Lavis can handle the big game environment. This, this is what I would do if I if I was the coach, okay? I mean, to be honest, the Michigan punter could have only punted 20 yards, and it would be enough to stop Iowa's offense. <laughs> 
Look, when you think about the defense, the defense played, like, the best game possible. The Iowa defense played the best game possible. It was unfortunate that they gave up a huge punt return, which led to a Blake Corm touchdown. It was unfortunate that we had a bizarre case of we thought it was an incomplete pass but turned out to be a fumble, and then they turned another touchdown into that. But I was Iowa's offense held Michigan's I mean, Iowa's defense, excuse me, Iowa's defense had held Michigan's offense to just kicking, you know, field goals, basically, with that, if it wasn't for some of the turnovers and that punt return. Think about that. That's hmm. nearly the number one team in the whole entire country. Yeah. And they held them to just field goals. I mean, yes, of course, besides, you know, those two touchdowns. That's crazy to say. Yeah, that is crazy to say, but those those touchdowns were on the were on the defense. Well, the defense turnover shortened field easier to score a touchdown. Right, right. Like less than ten yards. Right. I mean, we have a great defense and a great punter. You know, I, I thought it was weird how ESPN College Game Day majority of them thought Iowa was going to win that game. We have injuries, the worst offense, bottom 10 in all categories. Yes, we have a great defense and a great punter. It's hard to win games when you don't have an offense. They had nothing to lose but the game, and they still couldn't score, losing 26 to nothing. Oof. To be honest, I'm surprised the score wasn't 42 to nothing. That's a rough uh, one. Ooh, 40, ooh, 26 to nothing. That's rough. Yes. But um, let me tell you, I just want to say congratulations to Jim Harbaugh, you know, becoming the first, you know, in Michigan, you know, becoming the first team to win three straight Big Ten championship games. Uh, you know, that's something right there. That's a great accomplishment. But I want to tell you something. What if I was on the sidelines for that game? I want to tell you what I would say. All right. Let's just imagine in an alternate dimension that somehow for some peculiar reason, I was on the sidelines of that game. Look, if I was on the Iowa sideline and we're down 10 nothing, Michigan, this is what I would be telling them. Well, this game is done, and we lost. Let them think that. I want them focused on the college football playoff. We don't have to worry about college football playoff on the line. We have nothing to lose. Not us. Nobody's focusing on our offense. Let's be honest, we're laughing stock. Our offense now. Now go out there and show them why they should underestimate us. Let's go, Hawkeyes. Let's go. Nice. I will also tell Deacon Hill, I know this hasn't been easy. I've been called plays that made you look best all season. We appreciate you stepping in when we need you most, but we are not getting anywhere tonight. I'm playing Labis. That's a great opportunity to play in this type of environment. I want to see if we can get some points on the board. All right. This is the Big Ten Championship game. If we don't get anywhere... Oh, or if we do, I'll put you back in. Maybe for a QB sneak. Look how huge you are. We're going to need that. Also, for curiosity purposes, I calculate if Iowa had Cade McNamara, Eric All, Luke Lachey, and Cooper DeGene with the heck of a performance by the Iowa defense, I concluded that Iowa would still have lost, but we would have lost 26-13 would have been the score. It would have been 26-20, but a punt return touchdown would be called back due to holding or blocking the back penalty. 
Well, Tom, I wasn't been, I wasn't able to find any human interest story. Were you able to find some human interest story that you would like to share? Yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, Jim Harbaugh, and uh, of course, Jim Harbaugh was one of my favorite 49er coaches, even though he was only there for a few years. Um, I love the the sound clip coaches, the guys that have something to say after the game. Guys, do you have any favorite coaching diatribes after the game that uh, that stand out in, in NFL history? Uh, not that I can think of for a moment. The only thing I can think of is Dennis Green saying, they were who they thought they were, and we got them off the hook. No, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the Bears are what we thought they were. What we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. That's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. (laughs) But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. That's the Dennis Green. That was one of the great ones. That is one of the all-time greats. I would agree with that. How about do you remember uh do you remember Herm Edwards? Do you remember his uh his little we greatest thing about sports? Win the game. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins, you go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. Because it matters. <laughs> and Bill- also, one more I like. Uh, I think it's Jim. Was it Jim Moore who said, playoffs? You're talking about the playoffs? Playoffs? Are you kidding? Whichever one starts, starts. Whichever one starts. Oh, go back I did have that one, but I don't know where to do it. Drive. It's nobody's concern but ours. This is Dicka. I hit the wrong one. Next. Injuries from the uh, game. Talk to the trainer. Next. <laughs> Mike, why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? <laughs> okay. If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. What next? <laughs> I actually had the uh, I had the playoffs, but I don't know. I somehow didn't load it up into the machine. Uh, I have, the last one that I have was one of my favorites, and the the uh, the odd part of it was I don't know if you remember uh, Mike Singletary kicked. Um, Vernon Davis, his probably his best offensive player, his entire tenure in the 49ers, uh, but he kicked him off the sideline for being a selfish player, and then kind of flipped out at the end. Do you remember that one? Uh, if I hear the clip, it might sound familiar. I want winners. Hey, I'm from the old school. I believe this. I would rather play with ten people oh, and yeah. just get penalized all the way. Until we got to do something else. Makes Rather no than sense. play with 11 when I know that right now that person is not sold out to be a part of this team. It is more about them than it is about the team. I cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. <laughs> That's the Mike Singletary. Yeah, the, it's kind of funny when these guys, you know, you just imagine your worst day at work. And then as soon as you're off work, you, you have one last thing to do. And that's go bear your soul to the entire country in front of a camera. <laughs> I can only imagine. I feel bad for these guys. It's so funny. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to handle. I would be like, no, I do. I do not want to see the press. I I do not want any cameras. I like the uh, I like the Mike Ditka approach. You know, they said, "How about injuries? Talk to the trainer next." <laughs> He's just like, "No, I'm not dealing with you guys." <laughs> Why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? If you were two and twelve, you'd be in a bad mood too. So great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Well, that goes. Well, speaking. Oh, oh, sorry about that. I, I was going to say that should bring us to our sportstitious, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, speaking of people in bad moods, let's get to sportstitious, but a little bit differently, shall we? This is what I like to call sportstitious hypothesis. I love it. Now, everybody knows about Florida State, and even some people are. You know, for people that want to catch on, okay, so number one, Michigan, number two, Washington, number three, Texas, and number four, Alabama. It was a rarity that a team that was not in the top four, you know, that was outside of not just the top four, but even the top six, found a way to get in on the last week of the college football playoff. Texas was around number seven, and they came in at number three. And Alabama was number eight, and they came in at number four. Of course, Alabama has a legitimate reason. They ended up being the number one team, uh, Georgia. I just want to do a little bit of a setup. Let me get to the sports dishes hypothesis, shall we? Okay, here's my sports dishes hypothesis. Now, the CFP committee, first off, I just want to say they did have a legitimate reason of why of explaining. They just picked the wrong reason to explain. You don't tell them. You don't tell a team the reason why is because, you know, one of your players got injured. That is the most ridiculous reason they could give an explanation. You could say strength of schedule. Alabama had a tougher strength of schedule compared to Florida State. They could have said a lot of things. But the fact is saying it was because your starting quarterback, Jordan Travis, got injured. So, yeah, you're not going to get in. That's not a legitimate – that's not a good reason. That that was a terrible reason. I mean, before they even announced, I was thinking, if I'm the college football playoff committee, you know, your, your choices are going to be either you go based on who's undefeated, you know, who are the last remaining undefeated teams, or do you go for the entertainment value? And I knew that we're going to go for the entertainment value. And forget about a year without – you know, a year without a Santa Claus, but we, we do that. That was, <laughs> you know, we're not going to see in the stocking a year without the SEC in the college, you know, without them being in the college football playoff. I mean, that is just a winter wonderland of itself for majority of college football fans out there. All right. I got, I got, I just want to do a little bit of setup. Okay. Here's the sports delicious hypothesis. All right. So, so CFP committee needed to find a reason why not to put in Florida State. Unfortunately, they thought the QB situation was there out to oust Florida State. They saw when Georgia lost right before. They thought, don't worry. They had everything planned in minute detail of how the rankings would go. The problem, Florida State won the ACC championship game 16-6 to Louisville. Either way, it was going to be a lose-lose scenario. Lose the money, an SEC team, and entertainment value. Or being a year, there's no SEC team not make it in the college football playoff. 
And of course, there's some comparisons that's similar to TCU in some ways or another as well. But there is one detail that is right in front of us, and I believe is the actual reason. Now imagine if it was Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Florida State. Let's say that. Let's say Michigan or Washington won. That would make a hard case of the SEC saying they're the best at college football when they can't make the college football playoff. Even if, even if Washington won the following season, even if they, Washington won the following season, they are a defending CFP champion playing in the Big Ten, making the case that the Big Ten is the go-to league for college football. But you're saying, okay, what if Texas won? They would be a defending football champion and in the SEC next season. That would be great for the SEC, right? My other reason, it's petty. You have a Big Ten team, a future Big Ten team, a future SEC team, and a SEC team. I don't know when a purple guy with a gauntlet of stones is part of the CFP committee, but it's perfectly balanced with this. And if you want to hear any more thoughts, I recommend listening to Tim Brando on Free, Free Six Five Sports on Florida State not getting in. Because I could not think of a better explanation than what he has given. But even Urban Meyer said that no matter what, how many teams are allowed to get in, they are bound to be people that will complain. And in a weird way, I might be kind of missing, you know, next season on, you, to be honest, Tom, the controversy, talking more about the controversy of who got left out, because it gives a lot of great sports topics to talk about. Why was this team left out? More than the teams that actually made it in. You're right. And it also adds extra motivation for the teams that do get in to win, because you got to prove that you belong there, too. Exactly. To be honest, Tom, do you think that Florida State should find a way to boycott or not? No, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, they belong to a system that's bigger than their their school. And um, historically, boycotting and things like that end up kind of backfiring. So I, I, don't think, uh, I don't think that it would be in their best interest. I mean, maybe something small just to make a statement. But I don't know that a boycott would be effective in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I, I think we're kind of on the same page on that. I I would just tell them, you know, if I'm like Mike Norville, is it Norville? Norvell? Hmm. Mike Norvell? You know, I just tell them, hey, you know, you know, we just get out there, we, we play, and we can tell people we beat a back-to-back, you know, college football champion as well, you right. know, and, and, and in Georgia. And we'll definitely prove that we deserve, you know, to be in the college football playoff next season. But also, I think the college football playoff committee was kind of worried that Florida State might be similar to TCU from last season. Remember, they let TCU in, but the difference was TCU did not even win their conference champion. So that, that's different. They, they can't make that excuse. I don't, I don't know how to segue from excuses to monk, but speaking of excuses, <laughs> I, I need to find a way to have an excuse to talk about monk. By there the, we go. By the way, here's a, I don't know if this works as a segue, but did I send you the little clip where you could see my car at the end of that episode? 
Yeah, yes, you did. Yeah, I isolated yeah. it and showed my son. And my son, who's a big fan of, I have a Pontiac Grand Prix. And for some reason, my 14 year old thinks that's the best car in the world. And he was so excited <laughs> to see it on TV. It's so funny. So, yeah. But, anyways, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to interrupt because I know that you were excited about Monk coming up. And I've, uh, I've actually been watching a little bit of the old Monk episodes, just kind of like, uh, such a good show it's such a good show i would highly recommend if you've never given it a try to give it a shot and i will let my buddy nathan talk more about monk because he's definitely more in the know than i am but on december 8th was the release of the monk movie mr monk's last case and and by the way people we are not sponsored by peacock but but if in the future i wouldn't mind that to be honest I, I like a lot of stuff that's on peacock but i'm getting ahead of my stuff but but to be honest i i still think peacock should have been called a universal streaming you know universal streaming i think a lot more people would have gone gone to and want to subscribe to an app called universal streaming and instead of just peacock i understand it's nbc but but that's besides the point of course, Tony Shalhoub returns back as Adrian Monk, Ted Levine as Captain Leland Stoudemire, Jason Gray Stanford as Lieutenant Randy Disher. Uh, Biddy Scram does make an appearance, but more in flashbacks as Sharona Fleming. Sharona Fleming, excuse me. And Trailer How Howard, played by Natalie Teeger. Uh, you know, everybody's familiar like through, from the late season three to the final episode. And I was hoping that there would be some cameos of Benji and and Julie Teeger. It, it's sort of there in the Monk movie, but not exactly what I was hoping for. But was it more like references rather than? It appearances? was more like references. Yeah, no they didn't get them. Yeah, I, I was kind of hoping that somehow. Uh, but they did have a. It was kind of interesting. They had a recast for some strange reason on. On you know, Monk, on Trudy's daughter, that in the final episode that Monk finds out. Sorry, there's some spoilers ahead, but Monk finds out that Trudy's daughter, you know, he fought, you know, he fought the baby wasn't alive, but turns out Trudy's daughter is still alive. The and so, and they get to the case of this is Trudy's daughter's. Wedding. I, I kind of, it's unfortunate, but I forgot the name of the daughter's name, and I do apologize for that. But but it's Trudy's daughter. To be honest, I, I watched that movie four times. It, it gets into some dark territory because they try to re relate it back to, it's one of the few entertainments that try to relate back to COVID. And Monk kind of returns back to square one because of COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah I could see that. You're right. Being a germaphobe, yeah. Yeah, there were some great lines. The beauty of Monk is they find a way to be funny, but they also get into some dramatic territory as well. You know, it's just it's just great character development. You know, Tony Shalhoub does a great job. It's it, he he does a fantastic job returning back to the role. I just find it amazing how he could easily go back to a role, and it just seems you know. You know, time hasn't really passed. You know, it just just feels a few years, and he, he's right back in it. It's, it's just great, all these characters. And it's great seeing all of them return back. And 
This time around, uh, they have to... They, they go by the Columbo method. Instead of showing who done it, they show you how it was done. Oh, yeah. You know? And so, obviously, they make uh, the bad guy like a mix of Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk combined together, basically. Uh, I mean, they were inspired by those two people, basically. <laughs> we especially, we being, mixed- especially being set in San Francisco, it's got to be it's got to be some techie and uh, current type of community bad guy. Uh, there were just a lot of great moments. I definitely recommend people if you're a fan of Monk. Uh, th- this is the rarity of, you know, how there's been a lot of people that call nostalgia bait. This isn't really nostalgia bait. It, this is really for the fans. This is really for the fans. If you're a fan of the Monk series, this is definitely a movie for you. It just gets in a lot more dark territory, but. Uh, it gets into some uncomfortable territory that kind of reminded me of my past in some ways. I just don't want to mention it, but it just kind of did mm-hmm. in some ways. So I kind of felt a little bit relatable in some ways. Oh, interesting. Uh, well, you have to watch it and then you'll get the idea. But so you give this, movie I mean, a, I think I'll, you give this movie a very high rating. Yeah, I I think the only problem I had was the bad guy. I I but I thought it was ingenious of how how it was done. Yeah, you know, that's all I'm gonna say. It was ingenious of them having it be that way. So, you know, because you think it was a whole lot more, but it's like no, it's just that. And you're like, wow, they get you to overthink it. That's what I love. So uh, yeah, they had me overthinking. So Tony Shalhoub, like, I, I was. Oh, yeah, I was thinking like maybe someone cut the rope a little bit early or something, you know, while they were there, hired someone, they cut it a little bit of the rope before he got there or something like that. Or they were there going, hey, I need to double check to make sure this rope and then cut it a little bit without them being aware. Like, okay, you're good. <laughs> you be careful with them spoilers, buddy. We're going to get people writing in. Oh, I'm kind of giving them a red herring. That's, you know, a little bit of red herring that, that because that's. Okay, that's fair. I was gonna mention. Do you did you know um, Tony Shalhoub from? Is it Tony Shalhoub? I feel like I'm saying it wrong. Um, I thought it was Tony Shalhoub. Shalhoub. Okay. To so Tony Shalhoub. Do you, uh, are you familiar with his work before? Uh, did you see him on Wings? No, I didn't. He played a taxi cab driver named Antonio, and he was so good on there. It was such a great, a great role. I would highly recommend. And it's a silly sitcom. It's actually a really good uh, ensemble cast. And he was um, Antonio, a taxi driver. And he was like English second language, which, you know, makes lots of fun ensue. I think you'd really enjoy it. Check it out. It's pretty funny. (laughs) I mean, if you enjoy a sense of humor, yeah. I mean, but I want to quickly talk about some of my favorite Monk episodes quickly. And then we could get to talking about, you know, I mean, you got to be in some Monk episodes. So I, I want to get to uh, a Monk episode that I wasn't really a big fan of in the past, but I'm kind of, you know, becoming a fan because it feels that it's relatable in this day and age. For example, I recently watched a Christmas episode called Monk and the Man Who Shot Santa Claus. Oh. It, it's a, it was it was interesting uh, that how they explained how, it was, how they did it in this episode, but this... 
But to be honest, in the past, I would, with this episode, I, I had to skip some parts because I found annoying how fast people turned on him. But the sad part is with the sensationalized journalism. And instead of it aging as raisins, it, it ages, it aged as wine. You know, this episode has aged as wine and not as raisins. Nice. I was hoping that this would dry up, but it, it's, it's real. It, it's happening right now as we speak. There have been a lot of, especially in the sports world. I mean, all these guys and, and being falsely accused as well. And and even a kid at some point, all he did was wear face paint, and and it's it's just crazy. Of this sensationalized journalism trying to show only one side of the story and jumping to conclusions before the facts of what happened. Yeah, create villains, right? I mean, remember, I I wanted to get in the journalism field as well, specifically sports journalism. But Brandy Barber was the journalist I tried to make sure not to become. Because that was an example of the few words I remember from my online journalism class in college of muckraking. Looking for the side of the story that's pleasing to them for ratings. Make things look a lot worse than what actually happened. I want to talk about the first episode of Monk that I saw. And it was season two, episode three. Mr. Monk goes to the ballgame. I remember I got excited because it was a baseball episode. Now, back then, they didn't show you what season or what episode, unless if it was a new episode, they would give you a hint. Like, coming up next, Monk is is heading to the ball game. You know, something to that nature. Mm-hmm. I saw Monk obsessing over the scoreboard, scoreboard numbers being crooked during the game. And then <laughs> Monk being the umpire is one of the funniest things that you could possibly see. And even the mystery was interesting. But I won't give too much away. But I'll have to say it was interesting on how they figured out on girls can't eat 15 pizzas. <laughs> don't mistake this as a social media challenge, okay, people? It, <laughs> you don't want to do that. I ate 10 slices of pizza one time, and this was back in my 20s. It was delicious, but I was paying that for later. But my favorite episode of Monk of all time is Mr. Monk and the Free Pies. This is the earliest I remember watching. I used to watch it with my dad. I had season two on DVD. It was it was intended for my dad, but I watched it more than he did. And to be honest, I, I still laugh at Stalmeyer telling the perp, um, we're going to search for your pie. Uh, don't make me say it again. It made me wonder why pies, especially cherry pies, so, Tom, you told me that you were on a Monk episode, so let's hear your experience on being on a Monk episode. Well, I don't – what I remember, I was a background cast for uh, to play a prisoner on an episode uh, – you'll remember the episode I always – I already forgot. It was something about his it's brother. It's Mr. Monk and the other brother. Mr. Monk and the other brother. And so in the, the scene that I was in – uh, well, one of the scenes, because it ended up, I thought I was on multiple episodes, but I think the scenes I was in were all in the same episode, um, as we figured out later. So um, I was in the prison yard. This was uh, Monk's brother escaped from prison after falsely being accused of some stuff. And so there was some scenes where there was reporters at the prison yard with prisoners in the background. And I was bench pressing with like three or four other guys when they were doing that scene and they just shot it really close. So you couldn't see us in there, but we were in our, you know, orange 
prison jumpsuit. I think it was, I, if I remember right, it was orange. And, yeah, I uh, think it was orange too. Yeah, I, I saw, I remember watching that episode. They showed, they showed orange jumpsuits, but they had it in a flashback sometimes. So it was also black and white. So you're, you're right either way. Yeah, and I might need to go through it again because it's very possible that I was in there because I didn't watch it super attentively when I was uh, when I watched it the most recent time, or when I watched it the most recent. Time. I think it's the only time I've ever watched it. But uh, I, I like I wasn't my wasn't eyes fixated on the TV the whole time. You know what I mean? And it was like kind of some flashback scenes and stuff. But uh, so yeah, we were doing that, and then there was a part where I was throwing the football in the yard. Um, but I know the part with the reporter that we were lifting weights. Cause I remember the guy, one of the guys had an agent that either he had either just been with my agent or something like that. But he was, he was, he was kind of advising me on which direction I should go as far as my, my acting career, which I didn't really have much of an acting career, but you know, other than being on the set of monk at the time. And, uh, yeah. And so we did, we did, did the scenes there. We were there probably, oh, we were probably there like eight or nine hours and we shot it out there at the Lancaster facility where they house immigrants, criminal histories, whatever. It's basically a prison for immigrants and in real life, that's what this place is. And then they have a part that's, I guess, not used and they, or either that, or they just (laughs) let us out in their yard while they had everybody locked up. And we were out there a good good chunk of the day. It was pretty warm, but not as warm as it could be in Lancaster. So it wasn't that bad. I remember there being a lot of people, and so you know you got to talk to a lot of people. And um, I remember the people dressed in prison guards, even though they basically were doing the same thing as we were doing, being extras. There still was that weird dynamic where you felt like you wanted to avoid them, even though you're an actor. And that part was kind of strange driving up you actually drive past the real prison part where you actually see all the people outside and you know it it looks very um open like there's fences you know that there's people right on the other side of fences and stuff and i'm like going oh this is kind of weird they're gonna have to shoot and then i you know part of me is going oh maybe these are actors (laughs) (laughs) no that's not they weren't actors and then i got over to where we shot it was it was uh it was a fun experience and then on another day, I don't remember if it was before or if it was after that day, because I was doing a lot of shows at that time. I shot a scene where we were on the Paramount lot. They they transform all these lots. They transform the back lots into city streets. So, you know, you have all these buildings that are like sound stages, but they have facades that look like the streets of New York or the streets of San Francisco. So when I did Ugly Betty... Uh, I drove my car around and that was New York. And then when I did monk, it was San Francisco. So, um, so I, so you get paid to do like this background work. And then if you get a gig where you have your car, they pay you extra money to have your car in the film. So basically you're, you're getting paid, your car's getting paid and you get to sit, sit down all day and you could turn on your music. You could talk on your phone or whatever, if you want you know, as long as you're not interrupting the, the production and you really aren't driving very much. It's really literally like, you know, 20 minutes go by and then you might drive two laps and then another 20, 30, 45 minutes, you know, then you might drive a few laps and it, it's just really, it's a, it's a easy day, you know, and you can get out of your car and talk to the other actors if you want and stuff. It's kind of cool. But, um, 
yeah, we went by, and I remember that the actress who you mentioned her name. What's her name again? Uh, Trailer Howard. Trailer Howard had just had a baby, and I think she had just not returned back to the show, or maybe she didn't actually leave the show, but she had returned back to the shooting schedule. You know, because usually they work the shooting schedules around stuff like that for people, especially big stars like that. And so I just remember thinking she was really pretty and didn't look like she just had a baby. Yeah, and I drove past her a few times, as you could see in the little clip. And then my car's like in that very last shot as the as it fades to black, which is kind of cool. <laughs> is there any uh, anything else you want to mention? I, I guess the 49ers have a big game coming up uh, against the Baltimore Ravens, right? Yeah, I think they've got Arizona this week, and then uh, and then the Ravens. So there's a whole bunch of bird frying going, like you've said. I think you weren't you the one that's mentioned they've had the bird fry. They've been. Uh, you mentioned about the bird fry. I I mentioned about they should change their name temporarily from the 49ers to the Ornithologists. There you go, the Ornithologists. That's it. No, you you get the credit for the birds. Yeah, because they really do have a lot of birds. Teams that have birds should change it. They should change the, you know what I mean? Like, okay, so. What would they change it then? I mean, like, you can't get any more fitting for Baltimore than the Ravens because Edgar Allan Poe, you know, around the area. Yeah. That was the reason. That's a good point. As long as they stay in town, you're right. As long as they stay in town. Because then you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to end up with stuff like the Utah jazz. You know, you know, Utah's known for its jazz music. (laughs) <laughs> no, New Orleans is well known for their jazz music. I, I think Utah kind of outlawed jazz music, if I'm, <laughs> I'm sadly not mistaken. <laughs> That's such a great one. And it's like the L.A. Lakers. Are the Lakers known for the Great Lakes? No, they're not. They're not. <laughs> but Minneapolis. But they're well known for winning the in-season tournament. They're the first one. <laughs> <laughs> they already said they're not hanging the banner. Like we're not hanging that up. It's not a real banner. Really? Thank goodness. Golly. The Kings would have put it up and it would have made me feel less connected to basketball than ever before. Like when they retired Vlade Divock's jersey. It was the worst. I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. You're like in season tournament, you're actually proud of that? Okay. <laughs> I'm assuming I mean, they, is there player bonuses that are go along with that? Yeah, yeah, they get they get bonuses. I I think like millions of do- like a million dollars or something like that, or maybe like five hundred thousand to a million dollars. I think as the player bonus, I think. Well, I guess that's there's that. So there's that little bit of a, a extra challenge gambling element to it, I guess. I mean, that's why they have it in Vegas. You know, I mean, like that that makes the most sense. You know. Basketball just has that problem where you could you could literally, you know, tune into a basketball game five minutes before the the game's over and catch most of the action. You know what I mean? You're you, like you're you can tune in, and if it's close, then you're going to see all the important stuff. If it's not, then you don't you don't need to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really watch basketball that often anymore. I, I it's it's just <laughs> I, I just don't watch it anymore. I, it's so crazy because I remember, but I tried. I tried everything I could to watch, you know, like Lakers and and Knicks game back then when Patrick Ewing was playing, and oh, yeah. maybe if I was lucky, some Michael Jordan when he was with the Bulls in his last remaining seasons. Yeah, 
Hakeem Olajuwon, Charles Barkley, Clyde Drexler. I mean, Carl Malone. That list goes on and on. Sean Kemp, Gary Payton. There was some great ball players in that era. Yeah. We were fortunate, weren't we? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I had season tickets through a lot of that. I had season tickets to the Sacramento Kings for about eight years, I think. And um, I got to see all those guys play. Really feel lucky for that. I got to see Shaq and Kobe play, what, like eight or nine times a season? Because they came at least once in the preseason. They came twice in the regular season. And then you had uh, the postseason. So you, I got to see them quite a bit during those great, you know, early 2000s. I think I only saw like one Lakers game, but it was with Shaq and Kobe. So I was very fortunate that I got to see that. But it was against, back then, known as the New Jersey Nets. So. Oh. <laughs> Hey, that's if you got to see him, you get to see him. That's a uh, seeing greatness like that. That's a cool thing. Yeah, and Dodger fans will get to brag about how they got to see Shohei Otani for around a thousand dollars. That they they it sounds like the San Francisco Giants ha- gave him the exact same offer, and he just basically chose Dodgers over Giants. I had a feeling he would pick the Dodgers. I mean, a lot more advertising opportunities and all that stuff. I hate to tell you that, Tom, but. What I was going to say is he's so close to L.A., L.A. Angels, even though they're not L.A. It's really hard to explain that to people, that Anaheim is not L.A. But anyways, he's influenced by the Dodgers. That Dodgers influence is big. It's a machine. There's signs everywhere. There's, I mean, the fans. There's jerseys and hats everywhere. That's why I say there's more 49er fans than there are Rams fans, because you don't see anything like that. In Rams, the way you do you see people in Dodgers. You don't even see people in the Lakers stuff like you do the Dodgers. The Dodgers people come in numbers. So Shohei knows he's going to be very well supported. He's going to have, like you were saying, a lot more opportunities. And you know his legacy is going to go down as being one of the all-time great Dodgers if he, you know, everything goes the way he plans. Yeah, and I, and I just got to say this for Shohei Otani because uh, I saw his list of goals. And I, as much as I appreciate, you know, him having one of those goals of being married, just be careful out there. I don't want you to end up being similar to Trevor Bauer's situation. Okay, you just got to be careful out there, Shohei. Yeah, I hope. Uh, how do you say uh, How do you say Kardashian in Japanese? I think it's just Kardashian. Okay, because somebody's got to warn him, <laughs> like immediately. Because <laughs> you know those girls, they hear seven hundred million dollars single guy looking to get married. There is gonna. Oh, be... he's got to be careful about the Jenners too. Like especially, what was it like, Kylie Jenner? Was it Kylie Jenner or? Oh yeah. See, I don't know any of the Kardashians, and I'm kind of glad that I don't know them very well. Well, I consider the Jenners Kardashians too. So, because they're all from that same house <laughs> or whatever. I've actually seen the dad, Robert Kardashian. I've actually seen him in person. He used to go to NBA games and he went to a couple of those uh, Sacramento Kings, uh, LA Lakers games. And I thought about getting his autograph and I just never did. But I've seen him and, you know, seemed nice enough. Not as tall as I expected him to be, but just, uh, it was kind of, kind of bizarre. So that's my Wait, favorite. was he was he the one that said if the glove does not fit, 
must have quit. Is he no, that lawyer? No, that was Johnny Cochran. No, uh, uh, Robert Kardashian was the one that was actually really good friends with OJ. And, oh, okay. um, and the belief is that he kind of helped cover up what may or may not have happened. And it caused a lot of stress in the marriage between him and the crazy lady. And so, um, you know, they, they ended up divorcing. In fact, you could see Chris Jenner in all the, uh, the courthouse scenes and stuff. She's there, you know, cause Nicole and her were really close friends. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, but he was on that team and, you know, Johnny Cochran just kind of like pushed everybody aside and was really the guy doing all the show, you know? Yeah. Johnny Cochran's no longer with us either. I think all those guys are gone. F Lee Bailey's gone. All those OJ guys are gone. That's crazy. <laughs> so who's your favorite murderer in football? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sports dishes. Don't say anything mean about OJ. He's loose again. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to end up being on one of those true crime podcasts. Whatever happened to Tom McLean after mentioning about OJ Simpson a week later, Tom McLean, comedian. You know, uh, I don't know if you've heard of my friend Sarah Newell. She's a comedian, um, redheaded comedian out of Los Angeles. Just... Oh, don't say redhead. Oh, my gosh. That's my weakness. Uh-oh. Well, she just got married, so I think you're safe. And she, okay. so me and her were going to do a, because she's not a sports fan at all, and we were going to do a, a sports uh, a sports true crime podcast where I tell her stories about things that have happened in sports because because I know some when and I'm sure you do too I know some stories where you just go what you know what I mean cuz I cuz I like to study old sports stories like and I and for whatever reason history really likes to forget the 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 gooey stuff you know one of my favorites the uh, not my favorite story but just one of my favorite forgotten stories people don't talk about it but we we had a major league baseball hall of fame baseball player died over the Niagara Falls while he was still an active baseball player in major league baseball. Why wow. is that not, he's in the baseball hall of fame. Why don't, don't more, I mean, I know it happened a long time ago, but why don't more people know about that? It's just kind of crazy to me. It's just one of those crazy stories. So I figure I can go on to deep dive with each individual story with her week by week. And uh, I figure it would be kind of fun. But we just haven't connected. And if you want, yet. you could have her be a guest as well, you know, if you want to. Oh, yeah. We'd have her jump on sometime. That'd be pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> well, this podcast, this Coffin Corner has obviously got off track. So, yeah, we went so do you have anything else yeah, we, to we, mention? We literally Coffin Cornered. Instead of going straight down the line and straight to the end zone, we went straight over to the corner and almost right out of bounds. <laughs> we're literally a co that's what that's what coffin corners means right so we're doing our job yeah. we're doing our due diligence <laughs> yeah no we you know i mean we we just uh, let's, we, the bears are what we thought they were what, what, what we thought they were we played them in preseason <laughs> who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's <laughs> we played them in the third game everybody played three quarters the bears are who we thought they were that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. That's right. And we're not going to let our listeners off the hook, are we, Nathan? What do we expect from our listeners right now? 
Well, what we expect from our Coffin Corner listeners is to follow our social media page on Instagram, Coffin Corners. And also, please do respond on CoffinCornersPod at gmail.com as well. If you have any topics that you want us to discuss, or you know a guest, or you know yourself is a great guest as well to have on. And also, you know, leave a review. Give... You know, if you want to, give us five stars. That would be great on the podcast platforms that you are listening to, such as especially on on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and the podcast platforms that you are listening to. And remember, folks, you have heard from the experts, and you have listened from the professionals. Yeah, and let me just add one more thing to that, Nathan. Now I believe we're also on YouTube, so you can catch us on YouTube as well. With the 262nd pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Brock Purdy, a quarterback from Iowa State. The frozen tundra of Municipal Stadium made footing tenuous and defense prevailed most of the day.